Gracias, friends, and thank you, amigos, for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and we are brought to you by one badass mother trucking jiu-jitsu MMA clothing brand. I'm talking about ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com, enter in promo code TOPTURTLE, get yourself 10% off your first order. Here's what we love about ADK and why we partnered with them. One, their graphics are sick. They look really cool. Two, it feels good. Three, you're going to go to tournaments and get compliments on being the best dressed cat at the tournament, if that's something you care about. And even if it isn't, here's the other perk of being an ADK Fightwear customer. Their stuff isn't expensive. You can go get an ADK hoodie for $35. You could go get a rash guard for 30 What's that he said? A rash guard for 30 Yes, a rash guard for 30 When did rash guards get so freaking expensive? They're like 60 70 bucks. Not at ADKFightwear.com. You want grappling shorts? They got grappling shorts. $40. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Don't just take my word for it. Let's ask uh, Connor McGregor. Hey, Connor, we're calling you now. You're live in a jail cell from Brooklyn somewhere. We wanted to get your opinion on ADK Fightwear. What do you think of it? Uh, ADK Fightwear is the best. They're not here to take part. They're here to take over. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, including our interview with Amanda Bobby Cooper, and that starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure today of speaking to Amanda Bobby Cooper, who fights Mackenzie Dern at UFC 224 in Brazil on May 12th. So, Amanda, this is your first time fighting outside of the country. Uh, how are you preparing mentally and physically for the travel? Uh, actually, I fought uh, in Ireland a few years ago in the UFC, but um, this the same time difference. Or actually, it's only an hour difference, so that's pretty good. Um, I usually do all my fight camps where I'm, I'm training uh, every Saturday at the same time that I would be fighting. So um, I like to do my sparring sessions every Saturday at the exact same time around that I would be fighting. Um, that way my body gets used to that. Um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling before. Um, I've done boxing for 14 years, so I've traveled with boxing and stuff. So I, really it's my favorite part. I love traveling. I understand how my body does, you know, in the flight the next day. I understand I like to get there a little, even days before the UFC brings me out there, just so I, I'm even better, um, you, you know, used to it better. Yeah, and so uh, another aspect of it, obviously, is that your your opponent is kind of an adopted daughter of Brazil with her father being Brazilian, uh, and Brazilian fans are usually quite boisterous, so this is obviously going to be a new energy for you to deal with here. Have you thought at all about how hostile the crowd is typically in Brazil for weigh-ins, walkouts, and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, I've actually been to Brazil twice for a fight. Um, for XFC, my coach fought there, and I went there before, and I know how the crowd is. They are true MMA fans, and they are loud, they're crazy, you know, they're screaming, you're going to die, Portuguese. So I know exactly how it is. I'm actually really excited for it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, my last fight, I was it was hometown, so it was the opposite spectrum, you know. Um, my whole crowd was cheering for me, and all my friends, all my family, and my opponent had to be the one that came into territory. So now I get you know, be that person, um, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think it's just a new challenge for me, um, and it just all, all, you know, will feel a whole lot better after I get that win. Yeah, and so let's talk a little bit about the fight, too. Obviously, your opponent, uh, Mackenzie Dern, getting a lot of publicity leading up to this fight and leading up to her debut fight, even. What are your sort of thoughts on her being so firmly in the spotlight after her first fight? Oh, I love it. Um, you know, I've been watching Mackenzie for years. Uh, as soon as 
uh, you know, I've heard her name, and then I heard that she was fighting. Uh, I've been looking at it because it, it's a name that people are going to watch. Uh, she's got a big credential in jiu-jitsu. So, um, like I said, I've been I've been watching Mackenzie um, and seeing what kind of weight she's going to put. And uh, I haven't been too too impressed. And I honestly think that she's fighting too close and close, and she doesn't have time to improve. Um, lately, her fights have looked worse than before. Um, so that, you know, that gives me a good mental edge knowing that I just feel like I'm getting better and better. And, uh, before I even knew she was, I was fighting her, I'm watching her and, and already trying to, you know, train to beat her because it's, it's a name that needs to be beat. Um, and I'm really excited for it. So I, I like that aspect too, that you were, you were thinking about her as a potential fight because of that popularity ahead of time. Was it a fight you asked for, or was it just happened to be the person that the UFC called for it? Actually, the UFC called for it, but, um, I had been posting on social media about it and not too much. I, I didn't ask for it. I was like, who, who do you guys want me to fight? And almost everyone was saying Mackenzie Dern. And I had already had the name in my head that like, I want to fight her for, for, and I had a feeling I was, I just had this weird feeling. I'm like, listen, I think I'm going to fight her. But then she had just fought Ashley Yoder. And I'm like, well, that's probably too soon. I'm probably going to have a different person to fight. Cause I've been asking for fights. Give me a fight. Give me a fight. I just want, I want to keep going. I'm training. I want to go. Um, and then, for some reason, like, one day they texted me and they said, Mackenzie Dern. I'm like, oh, that's what I wanted. Like, I, I don't know how you knew, but I want that and I want to travel. So they, you know, um, they picked a really good, I mean, they picked a good fight for me because I've been wanting that. Awesome. And so you obviously watched her fight with Yoder then, too, knowing that you were, you've were you been scouting her for a while. What did you sort of think of her performance specifically in that fight? Um, and what holes did you see to exploit? I thought, um, I actually thought Yoder won, but she is a, Mackenzie Dern is a prospect, so that you know, maybe I don't know how judges work, but if it's going to go to a decision, the prospect's winning. Um, I thought Yoder won. I thought Mackenzie tried too hard on her feet. Um, she has bad stand up. You know, she she throws the same strikes over and over again. Um, I'm hoping she changes that up because I'm a fighter and I want, I want something more interesting than the same thing. So, um, but I'm training for it. So, um, I thought, you know, wrestling's not good. I know, I've, I know who Ashley Yoder is. She was in the tough house with me. So, you know, being able to see that level um, and then seeing how she does with it, um, it it's, you know, it's just not going to be a good fight night for her if she tries to fight the same way. Uh, she doesn't have good wrestling. I, I'm actually extremely good at wrestling right now. Um, every every day I'm wrestling. I've been wrestling for years straight. Um, and I knew my weaknesses was wrestling. Just like That's all I do. So, I think it's, you know, not going to be a good fight for her if she's going to try to fight the same ways that she has been fighting. Not her last fight, but the fight before that and the fight before that. Um, I, I really feel like it's a perfect opponent for me to make waves. Mm-hmm. And and so you, you mentioned in there, too, that prospects tend to get uh, the the decision when it goes to the judges' scorecards. Does that give you extra pressure to feel like you got to finish this, especially in Brazil? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I don't need to go to a decision in Brazil, um, 100%. I know that. Um, uh, that is my plan. I've been doing – I've actually started training with um, some new trainers this fight camp, um, some new striking coaches, some new uh, grapplers and stuff. So um, we have a really good game plan. You know, we're working on all the areas I need to my strength, power my punches, um, strong hips on the ground. Like, I really feel like I'm doing everything – for this camp to, to get the finish. Yeah, and so you mentioned in there too that you uh you know been working a lot on wrestling. You feel like your wrestling's going really well. Do you see that as something that you're gonna have to use offensively or defensively? Sort of how do you see uh this fight with her planning out? Because obviously she's very good on the ground. 
Yeah, very good on the ground. I know that. Um, I believe, like, she's not going to be able to take me down. I'm going to really show holes in her stand-up more than she's ever had before. Um, I cut angles. I'm, I fight southpaw. I fight orthodox. Like, I've, I've been doing the striking game for 15 years as much as she's been doing jiu-jitsu. So, um, if she's done the same amount of jiu-jitsu and I've done the same amount of striking, the only factor is the, is the wrestling or the judo. And my wrestling is... Uh, way better than her judo or any wrestling that she has. Um, and, and you know, obviously she's very great on the ground, but if you can't get it to the ground, she's going to get beat up on the feet really bad. And I can just see um, the ref coming in to stop it because I'm coming to finish. So I was going to say, too, do you have a prediction for us? But it sounds like uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper oh, yeah. by, by standing TKO. Day. Oh, every day visualization, my TKO. I'm doing it for training partners. I'm working with my coaches. Like, this is the finish that I'm going to have in Brazil is Mackenzie Dern looking embarrassed. I know she's not going to quit. You know, no, no fighter in the UFC is going to quit. Like they're going to keep coming. I know she's going to get hit and keep coming, but eventually it's going to break her when she realizes she can't get me down to the ground and I'm hitting her with everything I got. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. You just hyped me on this fight even more than I already was. Once again, fans, uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper facing Mackenzie Dern at UFC 224 in Brazil on May 12th. Amanda, thank you so much for the time, and we'll definitely want to catch up with you after the fight. Thank you. I look forward to it. And that interview is, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog is a Canadian craft brewery just outside of Vancouver that brings you high-quality craft brews with no pasteurization, no preservatives, just good, clean beer. I highly suggest checking out their Green Magic IPA. But if you're not an IPA guy or gal, check out their Steel-Toed Lager. It's hard-working and gets the job done. We, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And that was our interview with Amanda Bobby Cooper. Dave, what would you think? Yeah, you know, I like what she's doing here. She obviously knows that Mackenzie Dern is a media darling, a social media darling of the UFC. They have big plans for her, and she wants to play spoiler. And, you know, that's a great, it's, it's a good opportunity for someone like that. It reminds me of when uh, Bam Bam Barbarena derailed the Sage Northcutt train. Yeah, and, and you know, she she didn't go as far to say she called him her out, and as a matter of fact, she said that her and her management team weren't going to call her out, because that's just not their style, but... The fact that she like got it offered and jumped at the chance because it's somebody she's had her eye on. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the passion. I love people who take big opportunities like that. Uh, speaking of big opportunities, <laughs> what a week we just encountered. Fuck, fuck man. <laughs> we, That's all I'm going to say is fuck, man. <laughs> we imagine if you listen to us, you're probably an MMA nerd, and we thank you for your passion. We're MMA nerds, too. So I'm not going to go and recap the 35 opponents that Habib agreed to last week. <laughs> or the. You could- you can check out the, the flow chart, FLO flow chart, um, on our Twitter if you want to see how crazy it got. At Top Turtle MMA. And yeah, you know, I'm also not going to comment on the fact that uh, the world's most famous MMA fighter attacked a bus with a hand truck and it got 3 million views on Embedded, making his stock rise in this analyst's opinion as far as the next time he fights. But that all being said, I wanted to talk about, before we talk about Habib, who is the subject of our combat countdown, um, and all the craziness that went into that main event, and where he goes next, and what happens with the lightweight title. Gumby, let's just take a second and talk about some of the more under-the-radar things, so to speak, from UFC 223. Give me a standout performer or two that you really liked seeing on Saturday. 
I'm going to give you two. One that I was really happy about and one that I was kind of sad about. So the first one is Zabit uh, Magomed Sharapov beating Kyle Bochniak. Impressed as hell with both of those two guys because Zabit was forced to work in the late rounds. And, dude, there's, does Kyle Bochniak feel pain? Because that dude <laughs> took shots like no other. And it's not the first time he's done that, too. Remember, he stepped in in his UFC debut on six days' notice to fight Charles Rosa, who's Charles Rosa is not Zabit Magomed Sharapov, but he took a beating in that fight, too. He's 2-3 and three in the UFC, but the UFC owes that dude some favors. <laughs> yeah, I totally agreed. So this is what I'll say about Zabit, and if you listen to our podcast, you know I am a Zabit fanboy. You are, too. We're both very high on Zabit. I oh, love I love him. him. I always said he's like Yair Rodriguez with grappling. Yes. with Like, like, like wrestling. Well, with wrestling. Go, rather. It's yeah, go yeah. forward grappling is what it is. You know, Yair's content yeah. to f- play off his back. You ain't going to get that out of Zabit. He's going to come forward. He's got a grip. And it's back. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, he's great. Here's what I'm going to say about it, though, because I'm someone who feel I feel like I've been on the Zabit hype train before he even got into the UFC. And I know the UFC knew what they had in him because he trains with Frankie Edgar. Edgar said he was one of the best people he's ever trained with. I'm sure the UFC took notice of that. Uh, But I was just I don't know. Maybe what am I trying to say here? I was a little disappointed almost in how obvious the UFC was trying to make him into a star on Saturday. Did you hear Mm. Joe Rogan on the commentary? Oh, Joe Rogan's a huge fanboy. He's a fanboy, but it felt like pre-programmed UFC-approved fanboying. It's like, if Rogan was on his podcast, this is what he would say. And granted, he would be high. He'd say, uh, Zabit is so high level. But on Saturday night, he was saying stuff like, I really need to see Zabit face someone in the top ten. Joe Rogan don't care about no fucking rankings. He just wants yeah, to see well, good matchups. And the fact that he said, I need to see him face someone in the top 10, that felt like a fucking line fed to him by the company. Well, I'll tell you what. So everybody begged for these rankings when they come out. And for those of you who hate the rankings, you don't remember. People were begging for these things because everybody's like, oh, I don't know where anybody stands. And yeah, we, I get that, that now the rankings suck and they're annoying because people d- disagree with them. But the the biggest problem is is that now people only want to fight people in front of them. Right. So you get somebody like Zabit, or you get somebody like two fights ago, James Vick, who's on a four or five fight win streak, or you know like Zabit, who's who's run over three people like trucks. And and why would you as number 13, 12, 11, 10, Why would you fight that guy? Like right. what is it? What do you have to gain by beating an unranked guy? who's that dangerous (laughs) so it's almost like a a piece of the rankings that nobody expected to happen but like people are afraid to fight unranked guys who are on the up and up yeah that's true that's a very good point um who was the other performer that really oh i i really and this is the one that made me sad i really enjoyed the performance of hanato moicano i'm a huge calvin cater fan uh being a boston guy um i I really enjoy Calvin Cater. I thought his performance against Shane Burgos was just out of this world good in uh, Boston. It, it pained me to watch him lose to Hanato Moicano, but Moicano, uh, just with the leg kicks, was absolutely insane. And people forget Hanato Moicano not only ha- now has a win over uh, number 13, although probably going to fall, number 13, Calvin Cater, he also beat Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens. Stevens. Right. Yeah. 
People forget that. He took an easy, well, I wouldn't well, say easy decision, but when the fight was over, I was like, Moicano won that fight. Yeah. So, yeah. like, he took a decision from, from Jeremy Stevens in a semi-obvious way. So, like, th- this is a dude who, like, if he puts together some good grappling defense, is a threat at featherweight. Yeah, absolutely. Featherweight is such an exciting division right now. Oh, man, that, uh, dude, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not even talking about the fact that right now, Zabit, after winning this weekend, most likely will be ranked, isn't oh, ranked right he, now. He will be, yes, without a doubt. I mean, the UFC, let me just say again, I want to go back to my conspiracy theory. If you were on the UFC social media on Saturday, because I was on Twitter, I mean, it was like every four seconds was something Zabit. Like, they mm-hmm. know what they have in him. That dude is getting in the top 15 by hook or by crook. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, but, okay, so say he gets in the, the top 15. Do you know who that means isn't in the top 15? Fucking Alexander Volkanowski. And how fucking good has Alexander Volkanowski looked so isn't far he, in the fo- UFC? He's 4-0, isn't he, in the UFC? Am I wrong in saying um, that? We'll put the intern on that right Put the now. intern on, on Volkanowski. <laughs> but I, I don't know uh, what number or how many Volkanowski's won, but the dude's not ranked. Yeah. That's... Alexander Volkanovsky is not ranked, and that fucking little bowling ball is a killer at featherweight. Volkanovsky 4-0 in the UFC with two finishes via TKO and two unanimous and, decision wins. And finishes of killers, too. He he finished Jeremy Kennedy, who was, at the time, undefeated, 11-0. and Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I could go on and on about featherweight division, but I want to talk about the talk of the town, and that is the 155-pound division at the... At the end of UFC 223, we had Ally Akinta stepping in on short notice, going the full five rounds with Habib. And, uh, you know, Habib, rounds one and two, dominated with his wrestling, got his takedowns, did the Habib game. Rounds four, three and four could not get Al down, st- chose to stand and strike, landed a jab that really wasn't doing much. Uh, Actually, I got a question for you. Go I, I, I got to break you up just a second before before we get too far into this. Do you think in rounds three and four, he chose not to wrestle him or realized he couldn't wrestle him? Uh, I think it was a bit of both. I, he did go for takedowns in three and four and was unsuccessful. And yeah. And then I think the other thing you saw, because Al, while what I was a little disappointed in is when he would get Al down or he would use that ankle pick, he would cut through his open guard like butter, right? Oh, yeah. And just... Take down. Matches have always been legit, right? So you know that is what it is. That's Habib's game. But what you also saw, he had one takedown from far away, which was incredible. But then, other than that, other than that one, and I haven't gone back and rewatched the fight, so I'm saying this off the top of my head. Other than that one from distance, which again, unfucking believable. I wish Mm -hmm. I could fucking do that. Uh, But. He had to be up against the cage, and I think Al noticed that too, and he tried to stay center of the cage and kept circling. He did not want to be up against the cage against Habib, and I think Habib realized, shit, I can't take this guy down right now at will. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you 100%, and to me, it, th- that to me is a red flag in the Habib corner. Both now, now, he won, and he won handedly, but before we talk about him being like this invincible guy— and I know everybody out there, the cool thing to do right now is to poke holes in Habib's game. Do I think his striking's trash? No, I don't think his striking's trash. He threw out a good jab out there. He was doing what he was supposed to on the feet. But what alarms me is how hard it was for him in rounds three and four to get Ally Aquinta, who's not a bad wrestler, but not the best wrestler, down. 
Yeah. You know, well, listen, I mean, this is what I guess I and I said something about this on our Twitter feed. We've known this about Habib. I'm like a li- I'm actually a little shocked by the MMA do, communities. Do we know? Like what what other fight can you point to where we were like, "Uh, oh, Habib can't handle round 3 and 4?" Uh, well, like, we, we've never uh, seen well, we've he's hold not on, proven. Hold on. We've never he's not proven there. Well, hold on. We've never seen him in a round 4 or 5, but I can definitely yeah. tell you that he has we've seen him tire. I mean, he expends a shit ton of energy in his game. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. also, he does flying knees, which I, I don't really understand, wow. but I guess that's AKA influence. But, you know, I'll tell you right now, um, who out took him down? Gleason Tebow, right? Yeah. Well, um, that, that's a different Habib, though, to be fair. That was a different that's, Habib. That's not the same Habib. Not the same Habib, but still, I mean, you know, even in that RDA fight, I think in the, yeah, and he ragdolled RDA, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah. I think if you go back and look, he had his mouth open at the end of it. So yeah. to me, I've always known that. I mean, I've always known Habib striking, not great. We saw when Michael Johnson clipped him. And I've always known, yeah, cardio could be an issue. That's why I was picking Tony Ferguson when that yeah. was actually a matchup 13 years ago. Yeah, because I thought well, to, in rounds four and five, Tony could maybe cut him up with an elbow off his back or catch him with a submission of some kind. But but to me, the question was always in rounds three or four, is he so tired that he gets tagged? Right. My question never was, or at least it never was to me, and it might be to other people. My question never was in rounds three or four, does he run out of ideas? Does he run out of ability to do the things that he does well? Because to me, I always thought he would be able to do the things he does well, but would get hit with things because he was tired in those rounds. But to me, it seemed like he ceased being able to do the things he was the very best at. Well, he did go back to the takedown in round five, just FYI. Yeah. I, I also have to say, it was a last-minute opponent for him, too. I mean, he agreed to 14 different people. He obviously <laughs> never game-planned Ally Aquinta. So that's kind of what you get. If you remember back in the early days of the UFC with tournaments, like if you can't pre game plan your opponent perfectly, you will have some chaos ensue. But, but I will tell you this too. So I, I definitely hear that argument as, as like a, we'll, we'll put that one up for Habib. My only thing I'm going to say about Habib is regardless of those opponents, you can tack all seven up on the board. Does the game plan change for any of them? I don't know if I understand your question. Which seven? So, so here's my question. Okay. Here's my question. So, so usually when we're talking about game plans and throwing people off, let, let's go back to to Tony Ferguson no longer fighting Michael Chiesa and now fighting Lando Venata. Does the game plan change? Fuck yeah, the game plan changes. It's a completely different style of fighter. Uh, now instead of staying off the ground with Chiesa, you're trying to get to the ground against Lando. My question is, is that at any of those seven fighters, was the game plan not to take them down against the cage and try to get a TKO finish in the first or second? Sure. It's, no, I see the premise now. And yes, obviously, it's the same game plan with Habib. He's going to do Habib yeah. things, but you still have to give him. I mean, I think the expectations. Uh, yeah. oh, hold on. I, I think the expectations are just so high at this point where we can't give him some room to like. Okay, he took the fight on literally 24 hours notice. You telling me if he had a full fight camp, he wouldn't have studied every mannerism of Ally Aquinta and maybe game planned oh, a little differently? I mean, how about this? I For- think he looks better. I think he looks better with a full camp, but here's another thing I'll say. I don't think he finishes Ally Aquinta even with a full camp. Why? 
I, I, because Eli Aquinta was resilient. He turned out of chokes the way that he's supposed to have. And Habib didn't have anything in his jujitsu offense that made me think like, oh, Al's going to go out here. Or, oh, Al's going to have to tap here. Every single time he put in the choke, Al was like reacted to it perfectly. Well, yeah, I mean, but you also have to... and, and I don't think that a full camp changes that. Like, I don't think his jujitsu is good enough for that. And Al does enough to move to to prevent the like volume TKO finish. Well, the thing is, is Habib chooses not to go for like he's not going to put both hooks in, right? He's going to do You're that right. back yeah. ride and grind leg them right. down, leg yeah, because that's that's just his game. I do agree with you though that. To me, the person who's going to beat Habib is, and I said this to you off air, is going to be that savage blood of a Brian Ortega, a Max Holloway, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar when he was in his prime and a little bigger, someone who's impossible to finish. And I think you saw a little bit of that with Al, because even when he was in his worst positions, he never gave up because he has that strong island fuck off mentality. I wouldn't even be surprised if Habib tired in around four or five that after being beaten up for four to five rounds, that Nate Diaz couldn't pull something off on him. Yeah, I, 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 when I was thinking about the most perfect fighter to fight Habib, and, and, and we're going to get into to dream matchups for Habib in a second, but when I thought about my most perfect fighter in terms of style, the crazy thing is I thought Max Holloway. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're... You're fucking not going to finish Max Holloway. That's a fact. <laughs> right. You'd have to kill him. Right. You're you're not you're going to have to cut off his life supply in order to make sure that he's gone. You're not going to finish him and in rounds 3 and 4 he's there. And and that's Habib's worst nightmare. Well, if and that also, happens. listen. Ally Aquinta to me and when I was watching that fight I, it somewhat reminded me, turn on an, a fight in the UFC, and we got to get to our combat countdown in a second, and we'll move past this. Turn on a fight from the UFC in the early 2000s, that wrestle box style, that's what we just watched. Yeah. You know, Ally Aquinto, you're, you're what, he, Ally Aquinto wasn't even throwing combos. You know what I mean? Like, he has... He, 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 looked, like, he looked like a light Chuck Liddell. <laughs> in a way, right, right, right. So Try, Trying to throw bomb skis and making, making them count. And, and making wrestling sure his, his sprawl was on wrestling point. exactly yeah but and that was the whole thing is you know i think um the person who's gonna beat him is gonna have really good striking it's gonna be someone who sprawls and then lights his face up who could do that max holloway uh, who could do that maybe tony ferguson with his funky striking and i'll tell you what if connor mm-hmm. could survive and we'll talk about it. I'm um, spoiler alert, giving away someone who might be in our combat countdown. If Connor could sprawl a couple of times, I mean, he would light Habib's face up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, 100. percent All right, should we uh, call up our friend, the combat countdown guy, and see if he could play <laughs> the intro so we could get this thing started? Yeah, somebody get that dude on the horn. Should we name him? I mean, what's his name? He, is he like a buffer? I think I have cousin? his name somewhere. I got I got to look it up, but I think I definitely have his name somewhere. We'll, we'll get his real name next time. No, I don't want his real name. I think we should make up oh, a you, name. You want, his, you want like like Johnny Punch or like something stupid? <laughs> I want to pretend he's like a long-lost buffer cousin. So there's Bruce, there's Michael, and we got... Melvin. Yeah. Melvin. Melvin Buffer. Melvin Buffer. All right, Melvin. <laughs> Let's let's go, Melvin. Play us our combat countdown intro. It's time for the combat countdown. All right, combat countdown starts now. It's the top five 
dream opponents for Habib coming off his, I would call it, dominant win, although some people seem to be a it's, little... It was dominant. It, it was... Regardless, regardless of how you feel about what it showed about him and his weaknesses, like, that that's my issue. It showed weaknesses. It was a dominant win. He won 50-44, 50-44, 50-43. He, he steamrolled Ally Akita, and that's going to lead us into our dream five people to fight him uh, based on both basically what would what would be tough for Habib Nurmagomedov to deal with. And and that's sort of our criteria for our top five today. And we're going to kick it off with number five. We already talked about it. Blessed Max Holloway. Day White blessed Max Holloway at number five. Yeah, I mean, we basically already gave away our combat countdown because we got so excited talking about it earlier. But <laughs> just to recap, we want a savage, someone who has a never-say-die attitude. Al has that to a certain extent, but certainly someone like a Max Holloway, a Tony Ferguson. And hey, spoiler alert, we didn't put Tony Ferguson on this top five. He's still a dream opponent, but Dana White says he's never going to book him again. Although we have heard Dana White say never and that, you know, mm-hmm. and never ends up becoming a reality. It was a top five combat countdown for us. You can check it out in our archives from last week. The top five times Dana White said never. But we'll go on his word for now. So we didn't include Tony Ferguson. Mm-hmm. But we're looking for someone with that savage, never say die attitude. And that's Max Holloway. And it's everything we just said, too. If he could sprawl a couple of times, if he could get Habib into that rounds four, rounds five, and then just make it a striking battle, much like Al got to for rounds three and four. If you give Max Holloway 10 minutes to strike with Habib, I think he could cause some damage. That's what makes Max Holloway, to me, a dream opponent for Habib. And you know what else makes it kind of a fun thing to think about? It almost happened. It was booked for five days. Max was ready to take it on short notice. I say rebook it, give them both a a fight camp, and let's have some fucking fun. Yeah, and and before we get to number four, I'm just going to say... If Max Holloway would win that fight against Habib, two-division champion staring at two-division champion Conor McGregor, that would have been the fight for the ages. Yeah, it, be- it would have sold a freaking ridiculous number of pay-per-views. Yeah, especially because he would have had Conor's two belts that Conor gave up and two- never lost. Right? It would have been. It would have been. You couldn't write it better. And they fought once. Our, anyway. We're, we're getting away from Habib. So, number four on the Habib Dream Opponents list, we're going to go old school. It's not quite a still current fighter, so we're not ever going to get this fight. But we're talking about a prime BJ Penn. Yeah, I think a prime BJ Penn who was at the one-time GOAT, at one time was the GOAT of 155. BJ Penn would be such an interesting matchup for Habib. When I think BJ Penn, I think of him, people grabbing single legs on him and him just hopping around and getting out of it. His takedown defense was absolutely sickening unless he was facing someone like GSP. But obviously GSP is a little bigger. Habib, they would both be really natural 155ers in my opinion. I always Mm -hmm. felt BJ was best at 155, more so than 170. I thought he was a little, you know, I I thought he was a little small for that division. I know he had the weight cut. I mean, he fought. 45 yes well well let's not talk about that but yeah, yeah, yeah uh bottom line is i would love to see bj get out of a few takedowns uh and try to strike with him because bj was for his time a very good boxer very good striker and here's another interesting thing to think his nickname is the prodigy got a black belt in two years 
I would like to see BJ deal with the top pressure of Habib from a jiu-jitsu standpoint. You know, oh, Al, I love it. Al had some good jiu-jitsu defense, obviously trains with Matt Sarah, knows what he's doing, probably cross-trains at Henzo's with all those guys, but he's no BJ Penn on the ground. BJ Penn was a jiu-jitsu prodigy I would love to see. Uh, you know, even if he... As Habib takes us back, could Habib turn around, get him in guard, maybe works? I mean, it sounds crazy, right? We don't see anybody really work off their back or work from guard these days, but I don't know. It just seems like something that would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I got to ask you a question now, too, because now I'm curious. You said at one time... The GOAT at 155. Is he not the GOAT at 155 anymore? You know, 155, when it comes to the UFC, is a little complicated because I think everyone has, what is it, three defenses, right? Yeah, like the, Benson, there's a lot, of, a lot of people with a bunch of defenses. It's yeah. Benson, it's Frankie, and it's BJ. I, I could be wrong on that. All have three defenses. No one ever really kind of separated themselves. There's no Mighty Mouse Johnson. There's no Anderson yeah. Silva. There's no GSP of that division. But No John Jones. Right, right. The, not for 155. So it's kind of interesting, but BJ Penn is an all-time great in my opinion. So that's mm. why, you know, if we were going to put a historical name on the list, it's got to be BJ. BJ Penn. All right, let's take a look at number three. Number three has never stepped foot into the octagon. That is, of course, Ben Askren. All right, so there is a possibility that this could still happen. Obviously, Askren fights at 170. Habib could comfortably fight at 170. I don't know if it's a long-term home for him. I think much like BJ Penn, he's probably best suited at 155 if he can make the weight cut without dying. But Ben Askren is Habib, right, as far as style goes. now where is Oh, Habib- I, I, th- I think this is like a mirror fight. It is. And, you know, I I think Habib mixes in a little bit more of the combat sambo, obviously. He loves the leg trips. Uh, Askren, way more of just that traditional power wrestler. Um, and, you know, I but it is, like you said, a mirror image. And Askren, there are rumors out there. You know, he was campaigning for the GSP fight. UFC social media even put up a, a question, or I think it was Fox. It was UFC on Fox put up on their Twitter, Would you who would you want to see GSP face? Everyone voted for Ben Askren. It feels like, with Askren basically saying he's stepping away from the game, with the UFC looking for as many big fights as possible, it feels like we might be the closest we've been to getting him in the UFC in a number of years. Maybe for that one big fight with GSP, or maybe they sign him to like a two-fight, three-fight deal, would be very interesting if he fought Habib as well. I, I think if he got back into the, the U, or if he got into the UFC, not back into the UFC, if he got into the UFC, this retirement thing would be a thing of the past. I, I think you'd see him with all kinds of crazy money matchups and he would be here for good but that brings us to number two speaking of money matchups number two george st pierre versus habib all right so for all the same reasons that we mentioned with Askren, what i like about gsp versus habib uh and you know obviously habib called out gsp so to speak um there have always been rumors that gsp could cut down to 155 but this fight could take place at 170 gsp is the best mma wrestler of all time and what's so crazy about that is that he didn't grow up wrestling, whereas Habib's been wrestling bears since age five. Uh, That's what makes the matchup so intriguing. I think GSP is bigger, though. He cuts down from about 195. I think GSP probably has a better all-around game for MMA. I think he mixes in some kicks. I think his jab is deadly. I think his boxing is just way more fluid. I would pick GSP to beat Habib, but that doesn't mean I don't want to fucking see it, and that's why it's number two. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that makes it so good for GSP here, too, is that GSP, every single time out, seemed to have a new wrinkle that he used. You know what I mean? And, like, you know, like, when he fought Josh Koscheck, everybody was like, oh, it's wrestler versus wrestler. Who's wrestling reigns supreme? And then he was like, just kidding. I'm not a wrestler. I'm going to jab that dude's face until his eye explodes. Um, so I, I think if he's got that sort of edge over Habib, if, as long as he can neutralize the wrestling. Yeah. But... Speaking of failing to neutralize wrestling, that brings us to number one in our combat countdown of our top five favorite dream Habib Nurmagomedov opponents. And that's going to be, of course, the hand truck thrower himself, (laughs) notorious Conor McGregor. Yeah, so why is Conor number one? Well, it actually seems like the most realistic, and it is a super fight. Conor never lost the 155-pound belt. Habib now has the 155-pound belt. Connor was gunning for Habib, so to speak, when he threw the hand truck. Uh, so they already have a feud that, again, I mentioned it before, the most watched embedded in UFC history. Three million people watched that. Uh, this made McGregor's name, you know, uh, bigger than it already was. Connor knows what he's doing from a marketing perspective. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a shame that Michael Chiesa got glass in his eye. I don't think that was ever the intended consequence. I think he was pulling a publicity stunt. Uh, it worked. People are interested in this fight, and here's what makes it. In- and here's what makes it actually compelling not just from the whole you know showmanship aspect of it with the hand truck and the video and connor getting arrested but it's everything we've been saying if connor could last that 10 minutes if you can last 10 minutes of hell with a b much like ally aquinta did this past saturday rounds three four and five could be yours but you have to get through those 10 minutes you know edson barbosa you saw that look on his face. He he could not get through 15 minutes with him. Mm. But if you can survive those first 10 to 15 minutes and then sprawl just one time, Conor McGregor's hands are so freaking ridiculous with his one-punch knockout power with that left Celtic cross. I have no doubt in my mind it wouldn't be an easy day at the office. I think McGregor would look like he got attacked by an eagle, no pun intended. But in round four or five, McGregor could light his face up. Yeah, and I, I almost feel like this is like uh, like super Chad Mendez fight, right? Like this is the Chad Mendez fight on steroids. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, no pun intended for Chad Mendez there. But like, um, yeah, th- this is the, the same exact fight. Uh, after he's taken down a couple of times, can he get back up and can he do the job? Um, and that is what makes the Conor McGregor, in addition to all the other crazy things, that's what makes the Conor McGregor fight so good. So let's run it back for you guys once again. Our combat countdown of the top five Dream Habib opponents. Number five was Max Holloway. Number four, a prime BJ Penn. Number three, funky Ben Askren. Number two, George St. Pierre. And of course, number one, how could it be any different than Conor McGregor. And I do, I do just want to say, as we end this combat countdown, what's kind of nice about this for a dream opponent's list, four out of the five of these guys could absolutely happen. They could rebook Max Holloway. They're probably going to book Conor. GSP could come down to 155, or maybe, you know, in a year or so, if Abib loses the belt, he could go up to 170. Askren could get signed. It could potentially happen. And hey, guess what? BJ Penn's still on the roster. So it's not a prime BJ Penn, but you could just feed the lamb to the slaughter and have Habib Merck uh, BJ Penn right now. So anyway, I love 
uh, our combat countdowns, and I love Habib Nurmagomedov, so that was a fun combat countdown to do. We'll move on now to our UFC on Fox 29 breakdown. Gumby, is this sponsored by any fine company? It is, of course, sponsored by Garage Fit. Look, we all don't have time to get to the jiu-jitsu gym and get to the regular gym to pump some iron. So if you want a high-quality workout without having to lose all of your hours of the day, why not get it in your, your garage? So go to garagegym.net and check out what Garage Fit has for you. They got weighted vests if you like the sprints like that. If you want a big, heavy, weighted rope to do your arm workouts, they got those too. They got plyo boxes and everything else you'll need for a full home workout that's high quality without wasting all of your time heading over to the gym that's miles down the road. So head on over to garagegym.net and pick up what you need. So uh, we're going to run down the best three fights because, of course, we love counting things down of UFC on Fox 28. So I'm going to give you the real quick preview. Uh, We're going to start it off with the main event. The main event is one of the sickest main events in a really long time, and that's Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. Whether or not this this fight has immediate, immediate relevancy at the top of the 155 division, that doesn't matter. This fight is violent. Um, and even though the odds aren't out yet, I love Justin Gaethje in this fight. Um, Justin Gaethje, to me, just pours it on. Whereas Poirier, he, he's definitely got some chops there, but I don't think he can keep Gaethje's pace for uh, five-hole uh, five rounds. Uh, and thinking about Justin Gaethje in five-round fight just excites me. The second fight I'm super excited about, even though Matt Brown dropped out of this fight, I love Carlos Condit versus Alex Oliveira, Cowboy Oliveira. Um, Condit's been on a little bit of a slide, but once again, he's one of those guys who brings super violence, and Oliveira is going to trade with him, which makes this even more exciting. You know, you thought Matt Brown might just try to take him down, whereas Alex Oliveira is going to give him the fight that he wants. I like Carlos Condit here against Alex Oliveira, and that brings me to my third fight that I'm most excited about, and that's Israel Idesanya versus Marvin Vittori. Israel Idesanya, we've had him on the show twice. Super exciting personality. Love the dude from New Zealand. His striking is insane. And Marvin Vittori just might have a little bit of wrestling that might make it a little tough for him. However, I'm still taking Israel Adesanya, the style bender, uh, by TKO. I think his striking is just too much for anybody in this division right now unless you can get him down. So once again, to recap, I like Justin Gaethje over Dustin Poirier. I love Carlos Conde over Alex Oliveira. And if you are not watching Israel Adesanya fight Marvin Vittori, you should. And I like Israel Adesanya. Yeah, absolutely. And just real quick, uh, to give you the betting odds on those, Adesanya minus 260 favorite over Marvin Vittori, the plus 220 dog right now. You can get Justin Gaethje as a plus 120 dog, uh, Dustin Poirier, the favorite at minus 140, Carlos Condit, uh, plus 170 underdog, Alex Oliveira, uh, a minus 200 favorite. Oh, you must have gotten the odds way before me because I checked those this morning and all I had was uh, like some really early prelim odds for uh, Justin Gaethje. So so props on you on getting those early. I, I know how to Google, my man. <laughs> and with that, we're going to head on over to our interview with Mira Davashvili, who is a Ray Longo product out of uh, Longo and Weidman MMA. Uh, and we're going to check out his interview, which is of course is sponsored by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear is a family-owned fightwear company out of the Adirond- Adirondack Mountains of New York. Head on over to ADKFightwear.com and check out what they've got for you. Use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off. ADK Fightwear brings you this interview with Mira Dalashvili. 
This is Daniel Gumby reeling with Top Turtle of the Day on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure today of speaking to Mirab Davishvili, who fights Ricky Simon at UFC Atlantic City uh, coming up this month. So, Mirab, uh, what was your first reaction when you heard your original opponent, Augusto Mendez, uh, had popped for uh, a USADA violation? Uh, this is not good, so um, so weird. But this is always this. This is fight business. So, um, so I looking for new opponents. Mm, this is whatever. This is uh, weird. Um, this is, but whatever. So it happened. Shit happened. But so now I have focus for my my new opponent, uh, Ricky Simon. Uh, were you worried that they maybe wouldn't find a replacement in time? I know there was like a week or two there where you had no opponent. Yeah, yeah, because they tried to find a new opponent, but um, like um, like a lot of, lot of fighters say uh, they don't want to fight against me. I don't know why. Um, but so finally they found the opponent. Uh, he's a good guy. I respect him, but um, I, I'm going to win this fight. And... Um, I'm going to show the world how good I am. And and you really haven't known about this fight for very long. I mean, it, it was just recently announced. So, uh, you right. know, w what do you sort of know about your opponent's style other than, you know, what you've gotten to see in a real short period of time? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. This is just new news. Uh, so I checked. I watched his video. He's a really good guy. He's a tough guy. He's 12-1. and one. Um, His stand-up good he's, uh, he's wrestling good um mm, he's a good guy good opponent but um i'm sure i'm gonna win this fight and because of um i'm training hard with my best team my Sarah longer team and everything's will be perfect yeah, and, and you you know you, you mentioned that he's got really good wrestling. Uh, you obviously got your own sambo judo black belt background. Uh, do you expect this yes. to be a grappling battle? Yeah, I'm training uh, five years already with Sarah BJJ. Sarah is my coach, so my jiu-jitsu is good now, and my stand my striking coach is very long ago, and. Um, mm, yeah, I have background sambo and judo, so I have everything for winning this fight, and I will. Mm -hmm. And in you know you, you mentioned Longo and Sarah and Weidman a couple of times there. We had Ray on the show a couple of weeks ago. He spoke very highly of you. What's maybe the best piece of advice that Ray Longo has given you since you've been working with him? Oh yeah, he's a very very nice person. He's the best coach. Yeah, he he gave me like. Best motivation when I came here five years ago. I was amateur fighter, and uh, he, he made me my professional fighter, and he made me tough fighter. So and um, so he always all the time makes me motivation, and he's my best coach. So and I I I like I follow him, and that's why I'm I'm yeah. in UFC now. Yeah, and, and we obviously respect the hell out of them, too. Now, obviously, you said you're going to go out there and get a win against Ricky Simon uh, come UFC Atlantic City. What's your prediction for how you're going to win the fight? Yes, yeah, so it's not going to be an easy fight for me. Um, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, I know it will be 
really warm world. So it will be really warm, but um, uh, in, uh, um, I think it will be a lot of blood and <laughs> crazy fight. But I'm gonna win this fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up my striking, wrestling, jujitsu, grappling, everything. I'm gonna mix it up, and my cardio is really good. And um, uh, I think I'll be fine because my first fight in UFC, I was sick, uh, had uh, a flu, I was sick, and um, whatever. Uh, I I lost a uh, split decision against Frankie Science, but I know I can do better, and I know I know who I am. So. Yep, and and let's let's just mention that real quick too. So you lost that split decision really really close. Some people had it for you. Do you feel pressure that you have to finish it this time so that you don't have to see the judges' scorecards? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, it's uh, sometimes fight goes to decision, but uh, sometimes judges don't understand. Like they they don't score a good judges sometimes like. They think different. I don't know. Like, uh, ev- like yeah, a lot of people, mm, even Frankie Science coach and Frankie Science was shocked how they win fight because they said like mm, I win this fight. But um, judges uh, score different. Some like I won f- just uh, for sure. I win first two round. I win for sure. But that round was like minimum draw but like some judges they give it to him first round some judges give me their round like how they score it, I don't understand but this is well, this is why this I know but I know I can do better um, I mean sometimes you know maybe uh, maybe my my next fight goes decision but I know if I go decision I, I'm gonna win um uh, I'm gonna show everyone, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight. It's, it's not gonna be um, same judges, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we're certainly looking forward to the fight. So Mirab Dabashili has promised us blood in this fight and a really, really, really good back and forth fight. Uh, once again, that fight is against Ricky Simon at UFC Atlantic City. Mirab, thank you so much again for the time, and we hope to catch up with you after the fight. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. Okay, thank you again to Mirab Davashvili. Uh, Dave, any house cleaning for us before we take off this episode? Yeah, always like to remind our fans, give us a like, give us a review uh, on iTunes, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you stream your podcasts, uh, whether that be SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, you can find us there. Just search for Top Turtle. We thank our sponsors, ADK, Garage Fit, Dead Frog Brewery, and we, of course, thank our mothership, FlowCombat.com, our man Hunter over there, and you can follow the show on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. We will be back next week with another Combat Countdown and another good guest from the world, OUFC and MMA. Uh, signing off, I am Shockwave Dave. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this was Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.